0: We want you to know you absolutely matter to God, and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching.
1: We we have been talking about this series uh, of cliches and whatnot, and I'm afraid Christians kind of sometimes have their own language. We call it Christianese, and uh, sometimes we have to watch that we... Don't alienate others with our own special language. Uh, I think you'll get a kick out of this. Watch this.
0: Bless his heart. I think he's backsliding. I think I saw him drink. Yeah, but in moderation. I just wasn't seeing much fruit. He's going down a slippery slope. How's your heart, man? How's your heart? I'm just such a words guy. It was a total God thing. I'm blessed. Been working on my testimony. Is that secular music? We're opening with a secular song tonight. Wait, is this a secular song? Isn't she secular? Which station's the fish? 104.3, the fish. Safe for the whole family. You know he's a believer. I think he's saved. I just pray you would give him traveling mercies. Mm. Pray for all Tyler's unspokens. Mm. echo that. Just really like to echo Tyler's prayer, Father. I just, I echo that echo of my echo of his echo. I really feel like I'm being released from this, you know? Trying to be relevant. I'm just trying to be in the world, not of it. Hey, do you want to join our small group? You want to join my D group? You want to join my cell group, community group, access group, accountability group, Acts 27 group? Dude, he brought it. He brought the word. That service last night rocked me. They're pretty purpose-driven. Yeah, it's seeker. Don't they do seeker service there? I feel like he's gotten really watered down. I don't feel like he really teaches the word. There's not enough meat, you know? Are they non to nom? We have a great Wednesday night supper. Let's invite some dudes over and fellowship tonight. We're gonna have a sweet time of fellowshipping tonight. Dude, we had the sickest fellowship last night. We're going to extreme. Velocity. Ignite. Yeah, I'm going to ignite. The edge. The dive. The bridge. The ramp. Fire. Courageous. Passion. Echo. Reverb. Noise. Velocity. Drive. Elevate. Radiate. 722. 635. 419. Orange. Blue. Yellow. Green. Clear. Neon. Catalyst conference this year. I don't do that because I feel like it ruins my witness. Been struggling with that. I'm really wrestling with that. I'm wrestling with a doubt. I need someone to hold me accountable. I'm really trying to be intentional with her. I'm pursuing her for sure. I'm trying to guard her heart. Guard her heart though, bro. Will you hold me accountable to that?
1: <sighs> We're in this series called uh, Coffee Mug Christianity. Those Those very tweetable verses, verses that show up on t-shirts and bumper stickers and coffee mugs, and we have to be careful that we don't remove them from their context, and the hope is is that when we get even past that first reading, a deeper reading, there's actually more depth going on than than maybe you first saw, more wisdom going on. Today what I want to do is look at the words of Jesus from John 14, verses 13 and 14. It's a verse that I've I've seen bring some confusion, uh, even misuse. Uh, Jesus said it this way. Why don't we read that together? And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So I guess if you pray in faith in the name of Jesus to get the job, you got to get the job. You got to get the girl. The leaf's gotta win the cup. That's that's what it's that's what it says, right? Uh, if you ask for anything in my name, it's it's in the re- it's in the red font in the Bible. That's the words of Jesus. It must it must come true like that. I remember standing around our friend in youth group. I was in grade twelve, laying hands on him in a scene that sort of spread out from the middle like this, and. Uh, hands on each other's shoulders, praying that his mom, this godly, beautiful woman, my, my own mother's dear friend, would not succumb to cancer. In Jesus' name we prayed that she would be healed and I believed it. And by this point in my life, I'd seen others beat this horrible thing called cancer. I'd seen what could only be described as miraculous healings and even now, more so, my friend needed a mom. Uh, I, I'm realizing she would have been younger than I am now. And we prayed with Pentecostal fervor and faith. In Jesus' name. Um, Christians sometimes say things like, I'm standing on this verse. I'm claiming this verse for your mom. In Jesus' name, we believe She has to be healed. I think you know where this is going. Uh, My friend's mom did not survive. My mom's dear friend did not make it. She was not healed. So what does that mean? I guess obviously this verse is not true. Obviously this verse does not work. Obviously this is not really what Jesus was saying. Or maybe there's something we didn't get in our understanding, in our application of what Jesus was saying. You can go back and listen to this first message of our series on on our website or on our podcast where I I gave a few very simple principles of how we learn to interpret scripture. Hermeneutics, we call it. Uh, You may remember that other big word, exegesis, where we're trying to pull out the meaning of the text, uh, what the author originally meant. We don't want to do eisegesis, you know, inflicting our own agenda onto scripture, our own propositions onto the text. The text can never mean what it never meant. So number one, we we said context is everything, right? We want to know not just what the verse says, but what is coming before the verse and coming after the verse and to whom it was written, and what is the major theme of the entire book or letter, Uh, the genre of the book. You know, a book of poetry reads very different than a book of history. What is God trying to say through this author? We want to understand context. Number two, we, we said we want Scripture to interpret Scripture. You know, the best way to understand the Bible is with the Bible. You'll find the best commentary for the New Testament is actually the Old Testament, for instance. Um, so it helps not to cherry-pick verses, but rather see the totality, the totality of God's revelation on a given topic. Number three, uh, you know, we want to apply this. The, the Bible's not so much a book to be studied, but a book to be lived out. And uh, so as we look at John 14, the words of Jesus, you can have um, whatever you ask for in my name. I want to understand the context. I want the Bible to interpret the Bible and then I want to apply this. So let's start with context. Who wrote the book of John? John, you said it tentatively. You thought, is this a trick question? No, John, very good. John the Baptist? No, it's hard to write a letter when you don't have a head. Uh, so, different John. This is, this is friend of Jesus. Uh, Jesus picked John to look after his mother. That John. And what is the main theme of the book of John? I'll tell you if you don't know. The main theme of the book of John is proving that Jesus is indeed God. That's, that's the main theme. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and and the Word was God, and then it goes on in verse 14, and the Word became flesh, Jesus dwelt among us, and then in the second last chapter, it really just lays it out in, in chapter 20, but these signs are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, What is the context of this particular chapter, chapter 14? Uh, By the way, you know there's nothing particularly holy about these arbitrary verse and chapter separations. You know, the Gospels weren't written that way. It wasn't until about the 13th century that we started making these kind of arbitrary divisions. But generally speaking, each chapter sticks to a theme. And so in chapter 14, it's the Last Supper, and Jesus has lots to tell them. He gives them these final instructions, and he he gives words of comfort. It starts out with Jesus saying, do not be afraid. I'm, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. You know, in my house, there are many mansions, yeah, and many rooms for which will be for you. Don't worry. I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When I go away, I've actually, it's good news because I'm going, I'm going to send my spirit who will dwell with you. Even though I'm going away, don't worry. Um, and if you look at the main theme of John 14, Jesus really is not talking so much about prayer, but about preparations, the plans he's making for us. And so what's the context of John? To prove that Jesus is the Son of God. What's the big theme of John 14? The preparations that Jesus is going to make for us in heaven. So with that understanding, let's reread a portion of the verse. And this time, let's do it from the perspective of not making ourselves the main character of the text, which we sometimes are tempted to do. But, but remember who is always the main character of the text, And that is who? God, Jesus, not us. God is always the main character in the Bible. Okay, so John 14, verse 13. Jesus said, I will do whatever you ask in my name. Then what does he say? What's the purpose? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So the reason God answers prayer is not so that our life would be better so that we'd have more money or we'd get the kitchen that we always dreamed of. The reason God answers prayer is so that the Father may be glorified through the Son in heaven. Now, when we read this not as seeing ourselves as the main subject of the Bible, but seeing God as the main subject of the Bible, we recognize there's a much different purpose for our prayers than what many of us realize. Why is this even important? I'll I'll tell you why. As a pastor, I would argue that this might be at least top three, maybe number one reason why I have seen people walk away from their faith in God. I prayed for it. I believed it. He didn't do it. Therefore, he's not real. Or if he is real, he doesn't care. He's not good. You know people like this, don't you? Uh, Maybe you're wrestling with that today. Over and over again, we have seen people walk away from the church, walk away from God because God didn't do what we wanted him to do. And so understanding the context, let's now just take a moment and try to translate Scripture with Scripture. In other words, what else does the Bible say about what God cares about when we pray, okay? So four things, four principles, not exhaustive lists, but four things that came to mind that God seems to care about when we pray. This is based on the totality of Scripture. Okay, number one, evidently, your relationships matter when you pray. Uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 25, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone... What are you to do? Say it out loud with me. You are to forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Wow. So when you're praying, if if you're ticked at somebody, deal with the relationship before you keep on praying. Evidently, your relationships matter to God. In fact, let me let me just talk to husbands for just a moment. And I, uh, wives, wives, don't elbow them. Uh, just say amen. Look straight ahead. Pretend that I'm talking about someone else's husband and let God work on them, okay? This is what the Bible says, 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that, what? So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Oh, Okay, how could I apply that? If thou art being a jerketh to thine vicky, I'm using the King James Version because it sounds more spiritual, my jerkethness may hinder my prayers. Apparently, evidently, our relationships matter to God. may even affect our prayer life. Second thing is your motives matter to God. James, the brother of Jesus, said this in in chapter 4, verse 3. He said, When you ask, you do not receive because sometimes, what are you doing? You're asking with wrong motives. The religious folk of Jesus' day, the Pharisees, often had wrong motives. They wanted to be seen, they wanted to be heard. They'd stand on the street corners and, and pray these fancy prayers. Oh dear God, Father in heaven, I thank you that I'm not like these Gentiles and that I don't smoke or chew or go with girls who do. And um, <laughs> Jesus said, you're a hypocrite. You're all, we're, we're all a little susceptible to this. You know, young, young single guy is praying for a nice Christian girlfriend. Not just a regular nice Christian girlfriend, but a a smoking hot Christian girlfriend. (laughs) And when he can't find one, he just goes ahead and picks a smoking hot girlfriend and then starts praying that she'll get saved. Oh, save her, Lord. Yes. mm, It almost sounds holy. Wrong motives. Wrong motives matter when you pray. Proverbs 16 verse 2 said... All a person's ways seem pure to them. But the what? But the motives are weighed by the Lord. It seems that your relationships matter to God when you pray. It seems that your motives matter to God when you pray. Number three, your faith appears to matter to God when you pray. James said it this way, chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. He said, but when you ask... You must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Evidently, your faith moves the heart of God, your faith matters to God. You know, two blind men, they come to Jesus and said, Have have mercy on us, Jesus. Mark 9, verse 29. And Jesus did this, scripture says he touched their eyes and he said, according to your, what, somebody say it? Faith, Faith. according to your what? According to your what? According to your faith, let it be done unto you and their sight was restored. Apparently, our faith matters to God. And by the way, none of these things are deal breakers. God can answer prayers when our faith is weak when our motives are a little sus, when, when our relationships are strained, he's sovereign over us. But according to the totality of scripture, these issues also matter when it comes to our prayer life. So, the one this morning who, who likes things black and white, who likes things clear, you know, who wants five easy steps... Um, you'd be tempted to take notes and say, you know, if my relationships are good, um, if my motives are pure, if I have faith, then God has to do whatever I ask him to do. And now, when we believe in that as though it were like a magic formula, uh, we slip, I think, into a version of what some have called prosperity gospel, okay? Name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it. See it and be it. I want a Tesla in Jesus' name. That car is mine. I declare it. Uh, you know, the culture has its own version of this, right? They call it the secret. They call it manifesting. Or, or putting it out in the universe. Or I'm going to put that on my vision board. Or, right? Right? And most Christians would would kind of scoff at that, but then turn around and say, I'm getting that job promotion in Jesus' name. You know, the new hunk at young adults. I've claimed him in Jesus' name. I saw him first, Becky. He's been claimed. <laughs> name him and claim him. Uh, if I just had enough faith, it's got to be done. God's got to do it. He's my magic genie. I put my money in and I push the button and I got to get what I ordered (laughs) right now either in this room or online uh, those listening what I'm doing is I'm making some of you really mad and uh, because you've been raised with this and you're about to write me off and I'm asking you just to hang with me hang with me because this is really serious and if you're still angry with me after um, send your complaints to glenn at newmarketalliance.ca. Uh, number four, we need to understand, maybe most of all, that when it comes to our prayers, God's will matters. Okay? He's sovereign, He's perfect. It stems from His goodness, His character, His eternal plan. God's will matters. And so, John, the very same John, who said that you can ask for anything in Jesus' name, uh, also said uh, in 1 John, different book, different letter, he said, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, help me out, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him, if we ask it according to His will. We cannot ask him for just whatever we want and demand that he does it. That makes us God. And we ain't. It's not according to our will. It's according to his will. And if we understand that, suddenly our original text in John 14, 14 might make a little more sense to us when we read it again. Jesus said, You may ask me for anything in my name, And I will do it in my name. Uh, In other words, if we're going to the Father and we're using the name of Jesus, then we need to ask something according to the will of God so as not to diminish the name of Jesus. Uh, Let me try to explain it this way, and this is far from a perfect illustration, but maybe it'll help somebody. Um, after two years of of waiting through COVID, Jessica and Craig uh, were able to have a COVID-free reception a few weeks ago. Let's give it up for Craig and Jessica. Now, some of you know this, but my whole childhood was spent as a pastor's kid in the Pentecostal Church, what they call in Canada the PAOC. And then I got saved and joined the Alliance Church. <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. A lot of ex Pentecostals in here. Folks, folks, I'm not saying you need to be in the Alliance to get into heaven. I'm just saying, why risk it? You know? No. <laughs> so, I'm at this reception, co emceeing, right? And uh, not only is the Rots last name very well known in Pentecostal circles, but the Rots family has married into the Bombay family, which is even more well known in Pentecostal circles. It's like Pentecostal royalty is in the room. And now, in my upbringing, the Bombay family name carried weight. They were influential. They were mentors and authority figures in my father's life. One of the Bombays was the dean at Eastern Seminary, which I think is called Masters now in, in, in Peterborough, where my father studied and where I was born while he was graduating. Um, one of the Bombays was my dad's district superintendent and sort of his direct authority, but more of a source of, of wisdom and mentoring to him. One of the Bombays was this long-term overseas missionary who would, who would come speak at our church when he was back on furlough and, and when I was growing up. And so I started having conversations at the Rots reception with some of these mostly octogenarian table. And of course, there were all kinds of overlapping experiences that we shared, you know, f- familiar names that we all knew. And I guess I wanted to I suppose, on on, uh, in part because of my dad. Share with some of them the positive impact that the Bombay family had had on our family. I, I wanted to honor them. Now, did I make a few Pentecostal jokes from the microphone? Of course, you know I, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> but in talking to them, I I wanted to show all deference and honor and respect. I mean, I'll probably never see these people again, unless Craig and Jessica have a third wedding reception in a couple of years. Um, but I wanted to honor their, their name and the legacy associated with it and the impact it had on my dad and, and my family. I think if my parents had found out that I had been cold or rude to these people, people that I didn't personally know, they'd be they'd be disappointed because the Bombay name meant something to them. Like if I if I tell you to go see my mechanic, and and um, I say he'll treat you right, and I say in fact just go tell him Jonathan Ganya sent you, I would expect you to treat that mechanic with respect because. In this particular case, it's a privilege for you to invoke my name. Am I making sense here? Okay. In other words, what I'm doing is I'm taking a trusted relationship and I'm giving you access to that relationship even though you don't have it. It's a privilege and it's a responsibility and I'm giving you something that you didn't earn. So when you go before God, and you use the name of Jesus, you have access to the creator of the universe because Jesus gave you permission. Because of what Jesus did, he gives you the right to speak to the God that you didn't really deserve to speak to. And suddenly, you recognize that using the name of Jesus is a privilege, and it's a responsibility You have the privilege to enter into the throne room of God because of what Jesus did for us, because of who he is. And so this is not about unlocking your wish list. You you come in honoring Jesus who gives us access to the Father. Here's what happens. We pray, and sometimes God does a miracle. And we pray, and sometimes it doesn't go the way we want. And the tragedy is too many people walk away from God because God didn't do exactly what they wanted him to do. This is is what I believe. Today when I pray for Melissa Idzinga, when I pray for her healing, I believe God can heal her. When I pray for Pastor Andre's and his family to, to find a new place, I believe God can provide that. When I pray that peace... Would come to the Ukraine. I know God can orchestrate even that. When I pray for Mike Dara to be healed fully, I know God can do that. But even if he doesn't, I still believe. I still believe. Why? Because my faith in God does not rest on what God does or does not do for me, especially for reasons that I will not comprehend on this side of heaven okay my faith in God rests on what Jesus already has done for me because of this cross and his shed blood because of an empty tomb it's already settled I'm unwavering in my faith if he doesn't do what I want him to do that doesn't lessen who he is It doesn't wreck my faith because my faith is not based on him doing what I demand him to do. My faith is based on his love when he sent Jesus to die for me. And suddenly, that changes everything. Somehow, some way, I am confident that through my prayers, my Father in heaven will be glorified. It's all about him. So prayer isn't just for me to get my desires met. Prayer is the avenue through which I get to know God and give Him the glory. It, it's me getting to know Him. It's me hearing from Him. Not a monologue, but this beautiful two-way dialogue. The purpose of God answering prayers is so that He would get the glory. The reason I pray is not to get Him to do what I want, but it's to submit my will to what God wants. Your will be done, God, here on earth as it is in heaven. My my motives aren't always pure. But with that increased understanding, I, I hope your faith is built. I hope you pray for big things. I hope you believe God can. I hope you trust that he will. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, your faith rests on his goodness, on his character. It rests on an empty tomb that Jesus died and rose again so that we could live and have hope. That's why we put our faith in him. Some of you, some of you might have given up on prayer. You can't bring yourself to pray these days. You have needs, but you're not even praying about it. I, I get it. Maybe if you believe that God might do something, you might pray. Others of you, you're praying every day and you're getting just a little discouraged, worn out, but you continue to want to have faith. For those of you who would say, Yeah, there's something in my life that I really wish God would do something about, I need His help, I need His power. If that's you, would you just raise a hand real quick? Yeah, that should be probably about everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to thank you for just even being vulnerable in that moment. God is going to honor that vulnerability, I believe. And we're open to what God you would have to say to us. So Father, I pray for those with a heavy burden today. I pray God that you would build our faith, not just because of what you do or don't do, but because your word is spoken. And when we hear your word, it builds faith. God, I pray that our faith would be in your character and in your sovereignty and in your goodness and your will. God, we come to you as children with childlike faith reminding ourselves you can do anything. All things are possible with you and we we pray for miracles, Lord. We've seen you do it. We pray that you do it again, Lord. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would do a healing work in so many people's lives, especially, God, for those who are feeling let down, disappointed, hurt, God, for those who are still praying for something significant today, we ask, God, that you would do miracles in ways that only you can. I pray for marriages to be restored. God, I pray for those who are unemployed to have financial provision, that you would meet their needs, God. God, I pray for those with serious sicknesses, illnesses, cancer. God, we pray that in the name of Jesus that is above every other name, that you provide supernatural healing all for the glory of God. And we ask it in the beautiful, wonderful, powerful, mighty name of Jesus.